Welcome to the Untoxicated Podcast. (laughs) Well, I'm Sherry Salis, and that was my husband, Matt. We have questions about the impact of alcohol and addiction on relationships. If you have those kinds of questions, too, you're in the right place. Here we go. Sherry, everyone thinks of vacations as festive and joyous and relaxing and positive experiences. But as you and I know, when alcohol is involved, it's not always the case. One of the worst experiences of our entire life took place as we were preparing for and leaving for vacation. You remember that, of course. It would be silly for me to ask if you remember. That's something you'll never be able to forget. Yeah, yeah, that was a bad one. It started, if and your memory is going to be obviously better than mine, because as was always the case when I was a drinker, when we were preparing for vacation, as soon as I got the last really important work thing checked off my list, I started drinking. So I drank while I mowed the lawn, for instance, before we left and packed my bag and whatnot, while you were packing your bag and the bags for all the kids. Mm-hmm. Because that's just how it worked in our family and a lot of families where one person is drinking excessively. So that night I was drinking heavily. If I recall, we had that was when our kids were younger and we had a little family talent show that my mom was big on having when we went to family vacation together. And I think we had planned to we had planned a dance Mm -hmm. for the talent show and we had planned to to practice the dance. Mm -hmm. And I drank too much and got out of hand and things spiraled and spiraled and spiraled. And pretty soon we were up all night arguing and it was just awful. Yep. That's a good way to describe it. Awful. And then just a couple hours of sleep. Um, Some of us slept. You may have passed out. I remember not sleeping. And then we got everyone up into the car because we had a plane to catch really early in the morning. Yeah. And it was one of the few times that we openly fought in front of the kids in the car. Uh huh. I mean, we and were, I wouldn't say fought. It was just me being. Yeah. I was trying to, dis- I, yeah, I was just trying to discuss with you, um, you know, how bad the night before was just saying, we've got to make a change. And, um, I said something about like, maybe we should go to marriage counseling. And I'm pretty sure you were still drunk because you, I mean, it was so late into the night and all night fight um, that you couldn't have processed the alcohol that you had been drinking throughout the early morning hours. You spun the, you like pulled the car over and started banging on the steering wheel. And when the kids are freaking out and you're like screaming, your mom is trying to divorce me and Catherine is crying from the back seat. She's like <laughs> in fourth grade and the baby Andrew doesn't know what's going on, but everybody's freaking out. And so he starts crying and I just think, Oh my God, if you got out of the car and walked away and never came back, that would be the happiest day of my life. I just didn't even want you in my life anymore. All I was trying to do was say like how, we needed to look at this situation that this was ridiculous. I didn't want to have sex with you the night before our vacation because I was so stressed out and so anxious and you were just 
your normal jolly self at the beginning of the night with drinking and drinking and drinking. And, you know, cause you're in vacation mode and I'm not like, I'm making sure that we have enough diapers to at least like in the carry on bag, you know, planning snacks. The flight was like, so early in the morning, making sure everybody had their stuff, they got their teeth brushed. And, and I knew that going to your parents' house for me isn't vacation. It's a trip. But then the drinking would never end well, um, all week long. There would always be access to alcohol. And it was always really stressful. So I jerked the car around going back toward home and then in whatever you know, uh, well, we messed up mindset. Yeah. I jerked the car back around the other direction and went on to the airport, absolutely terrorizing the kids and you. And then the other really clear memory I have is when we landed and my father picked us up at the airport, trying to pretend like everything was fine. Six people, varying ages, varying maturity levels, mine being the lowest, varying, you know, um, uh, impact of the experience on us because the kids were different ages all trying to fake it and pretend like nothing had happened in the car on the way from the airport to my parents house yeah and right. that if i recall that was a night that you drank really heavy your parents and that's when your sister i think one of the only times talked to me about it because she was really worried about your behavior because you'd become very much a different person um, and that really scared her. But again, like I said, I think it was one of the first and the only times that your sister ever talked to me about it. That was the worst of our vacation, or as you say, or as our, of our trip experiences, but it certainly wasn't the only bad one, the only traumatic one, the only chaotic one. It wasn't the only time where my drinking absolutely wrecked what was otherwise supposed to be a joyous experience. And for the listener question today, I want to actually turn it around. Instead of answering a question, one of the things that surprises me, we get regular emailed questions from listeners. If you'd like to ask us a question, please send it to matt at soberandunashamed.com. We get these questions regularly. We have you know, an inventory of them to go through that we will get onto the podcast eventually. What surprises me is we've never had a question about vacations. I know that what you and I have experienced is not unique. I know that from other people that we've spoken to, and I know that because of the panel that we're about to bring on to join us. But I'm really curious why people don't email and ask questions about their listener about their vacation experiences. The only thing I can think of is that they feel like vacations are supposed to be such a joyous, carefree, relaxed time. They must think they're the only person in the world that has bad vacation experiences. And that must be why um, it's one of the many hush hush secret things that are associated with alcoholism and sobriety and recovery. But so listeners, we're turning the question around on you rather than you ask us questions. My question to you is, tell us about your um, vacation experiences, your traumatic vacation experiences. You can 
send to that same email address, matt at soberandunashamed.com. Help us to believe what we already think to be true, that we are not the only ones and that our panel of guests um, are not the only ones as well. So let's bring them in. We are blessed with such a great variety of folks, different experiences, different places in their recovery journeys, but they all perked up a little bit when they heard the topic, uh, talking about vacation experiences, anxiety and trauma, and how vacations are impacted by alcohol. Welcome, everybody. It's kind of story time. And I know every one of you is a good storyteller. Would anyone like to jump in first and tell us a story of how alcohol has impacted uh, vacation, either either in a good way or in a challenging way? Yes, Jessica, come on in. Hi. Hi. Um. First, I just, I want to, I feel like we all need to take a deep breath after that story because I resonated with it so hard. Um, and I just, when you, one of you said, we're all trying to fake it. I feel like that is the phrase that defined every vacation that we went on. Um, we, it was also very similar in that most of our vacations were to visit my husband's family. So they weren't vacations, they were visits. And he was, he is so uncomfortable with his relationship with them that he compensated by drinking even more heavily than normal, which made things so much more complicated. And I think I lived in denial that every year would be different. And I worked so hard to put all the ducks in a row and that thinking that each year I would have figured out the trick that would keep it from happening again. So, you know, when staying with them didn't work, we stayed with another family member. When staying with another family member didn't work, we stayed in a hotel. When staying in a hotel didn't work, we, we rented a house and invited all of our friends to come with us. And when that didn't work, we rented a house and didn't invite any of our friends to come with us. I mean, it was, I tried every single situation I could think of to manage it so that it maybe things would be different. And that never worked. What would happen was we would get there. I would say, I'm not going to care as much this time. A lot of times I would drink too, because that was like a coping mechanism for me. Um, and then a few days into be the stay, I, that's all I could do. Like I can only hang so long. And then I was like, I feel sick. I can't do this anymore. And then it was just watching him just go down and down and down to the point he would stay up all night drinking. <laughs> sleep all morning when of course and then that's then it becomes not only am I taking care of the kids at home and getting us all on vacation and doing all the things to get there but now he's completely checked out and doing his own thing and I'm putting the kids to bed at night getting up with them having making breakfast to try and decide what to do to keep them occupied during the day waiting for him to wake up hungover and just start the whole thing again and one of the worst uh, we usually where his parents live, there's there are lakes. We would stay on a lake. So there's a whole issue of boating and boating while drinking, which was really super stressful and added just an insane amount of like paranoia to my already being paranoid. Something would happen to the kids. Um, never being always having to be the one who drove everywhere we went, um, even though I didn't know where I was going. Um, and because and also having to do it in a way that didn't just straight out accuse him of being drunk. Like, I'll drive. It's okay. You look tired. Um, do you want to rest? Why don't you just hang out? I'll drive. Tr all trying to work it so no one was ever triggered. 
Um, and then one particular situation that happened was um, the trying to fake it in front of the family is the hardest. And I think the thing that I feel the most trauma from was the smiling through times when he would insult me in front of them, be mean to me, overcorrect the kids in a way that I felt was like bordering on abusive. Um, and, but always having to smile and go along with it and act like it was funny and just isn't he, isn't, isn't it amazing how much he cares? Isn't it amazing? You know, he really works so hard. He needs to take a load off while we're on vacation. It's all going to be okay. And then this one time we were on a, one of those um, pontoon boats with his whole family. We're talking extended family cousins and whatever he had been drinking really heavily. And for whatever reason he started, he, he would, when he would drink excessively, he would kind of go super macho and, um, if someone kind of challenged him in that, then he'd like step up to it. And um, so I'm not, I don't really recall what happened with him and his cousin, his younger cousin, but his younger cousin is not a macho dude. It's just something happened where they were kidding around with each other and that he took it too far, my husband, and ended up wrestling, going in to wrestle his cousin in front of everybody on this boat. And um, he miscalculated how strong his cousin was. And his cousin, I guess, decided I'm not because I guess maybe he beat up on him when he was a kid. I don't know. But his cousin was like, no, I'm going to I'll rustle you back. And the next thing I know, they they wrestled so hard that they threw each other off the boat. And I actually thought someone was going to get a head injury and be harmed. And um, it was this huge because it, it was obviously it had become a real fight. It wasn't a joke. And it was in front of all of the kids. It was in front of the whole family. Everyone was like, what's going on? And then everyone goes over the boat. And I was just, all I could do was stay super calm for the kids because they didn't know what was going on. I didn't want them to be traumatized by this. And then when he ended up getting up out of the water, he had like the, he had scraped the entire side of his body on the boat going down. So he had this horrible injury. It was so terrible, but there was no way to talk to him. And when his dad tried to talk to him afterwards, he told his dad to fuck off. Sorry if you need to beat that later. Um, it, it, the whole thing was, it was so traumatic. And, and even the worst part about all of these instances, that being the worst one I can think of right now, was that there was no way to actually talk about them later. Because if I tried to bring it up and say that, I actually did. I said, that was unacceptable. And he's like, that's your problem. I was just having a good time. We were just having a good time. My cousin knows it was a joke. Everyone knows it was a joke. You're the one who doesn't know it was a joke. So that was the the worst. That was like the final trauma to all of it was working so hard to put things in line. Nothing I did working. Nothing I did changing the scenario, faking my way all the way through it. And then finally, when I wasn't faking it anymore, I was gaslit at the end. So that's... Boy. Boy, can I relate to that last part, you know, whether it was on the vacation when Sherry was, you know, tense and full of anxiety about what I was going to do, what I was going to say, you know, our alone time together when we'd go to bed at night or whatever, she wants nothing to do with me and I'm playful and drunk and feeling festive. And so we just couldn't be on more separate playing fields but even before it would start even before a vacation would start i'm like yeah let's go it's gonna be fun and and all she can think about is all the 
Brad, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but you're you've got you're full of anxiety about what's happened on previous vacations. Why should you expect anything better? Uh, yeah, I, I think Jessica was very great in trying to pretend it was going to be better. I went in because I'm a pessimist. Like, well, this is another fucking terrible week with Matt drinking the whole time, and I get to pretend that it's all great. So uh, I wish I had tried to go in with a positive attitude, and I know. You know, you used to say, well, if you go into it with a positive attitude, maybe it will be different. And I'm like, well, it, but it, clearly it, it isn't. It doesn't. I mean, yeah. So at least I was like kind of prepared and I at least like knew my role was to pretend yeah. and smile through and, you know. Yeah. Mm. Oh, that, that was one of the things I had written down that I wanted to make sure we covered today is the anxiety of the anticipation versus the actual trauma. Did anyone else? Uh, on the call, would you like to chime in on what that's like leading up or knowing what's happened in the past? Is that, is it a terrifying thought even to go on vacation? Kathy, you're nodding. Would you like to kind of address that? Sure. There's always uh, that I tend to be an anxious, pessimistic kind of person too. Um, so any type of um, vacation is anxiety uh, ridden, laden, but um, it, alcohol just, and prior experiences with um, that on vacation just kind of gets me ramped up on edge. So, you know, I prepare over and overthink and over prep and make sure that everything is together. Like the house is clean, the laundry's done, you know, the house is spotless before we go away. And, you know, almost like a whirlwind trying to get everything together, kids packed, double checking to make sure that nobody forgot underwear or bathing suit or, you know, those kinds of things. And then, you know, outward anxiety, but also inward and in, in knowing what has happened on vacations previously. And just, I guess later on in our marriage, it, it had the more, the more experience I, I've, had with alcohol, um, non-fun stuff on vacation, um, you know, added more to that anxiety of, oh my gosh, yeah, I'm really not looking forward to this vacation because it's not a vacation for me. It's just all, you know, trying to make sure that I'm not the one that's, um, Debbie Downer on the vacation. You know, I got to have fun. I got to make sure that the kids are having fun. I got to, you know, plan this and plan that. And, you know, fun activities to keep people engaged and try and see if I could steer it away a little bit from, you know, heavy alcohol stuff. And inevitably, I just, I couldn't stop that, that anxiety pattern, at least for me, it just really made vacation and leading up to it and going on vacation, just not the, just the pit of my stomach, just being sick the whole time. And was the angle that you were coming at it from kind of the opposite of your husband? Was he in a, you know, festive mood, ready oh, to go yeah. and did, didn't, didn't get what you were, what the anxiety was about that kind of a thing? Yeah, not at all. I mean, he's Normally he's, he's a type A kind of person, but when it comes to vacation, not at all. Hey, we're going to go, this is going to be fun. You know, it's relaxing. And 
I don't understand why you're so stressed out and why there's so much anxiety and why you're running around like a, you know, whirlwind trying to have everything, you know, all your ducks in a row kind of, kind of thing. And you're controlling too much, you know, trying to manage, but not manage and think of all the different scenarios and ways to get out of them. And just, yeah, it's, I had somebody said, um, one time, um, your head can be like a ghetto. You don't want to go in there and you want to avoid that at all costs kind of thing. And I kind of embody that before vacation, (laughs) sometimes after, but definitely before. Wow. Yeah. I think that's really interesting that you said your husband was a type A type person. That's how Matt was. And I was always like, how are you just dropping your guard? Like, this is when we should all both be working together, preparing for this. I mean, traveling with four young kids, you know, and, uh, that was kind of hard. And like, we would go two time zones away. So trying to balance this sleep and dinner, you know, schedule for the kids. I was like, gosh, I thought we'd be kind of on the same team, but that's, I think shocked me. I'm very much, I'm not bragging here. I'm not, I'm not proud of this, but I very much looked at it. Like I have to get all the work related things to a point where I can leave. And that is the, and I have to make sure I remember my own underwear, Kathy. And that is the full extent of my responsibility. I'll have my, you know, like you said, when we went to your parents or my parents, there's a washing machine. So I didn't even have to think about packing a bunch. Like I need three sets of clothes and a backpack and my flip-flops and off we go and left all the rest of it for you. And especially the younger the kids are, the more it is just a traveling road show. It is, it's not vacation. It's, mm-hmm. it's just taking all the people to a place where you don't know where anything is. Um, so then you got to dig through a bag to find it. So definitely not, uh, you know, a festive and something you can look forward to. Yeah. I guess I, that always surprised me a we, little bit because you were so prepared in all the other areas of your life that like the thought of traveling with a infant on a plane, you didn't want to double check anything that I had packed or, and I was always like shocked because yes, I was the mom that would pack one, two less of diaper. Like I would not pack enough diapers just for the day out at the zoo. So kid would be in the soggiest diaper on the way home, like all the time. That was me. So, well, I I mean, it was at least partially a testament to what I thought of you as a mother that I, I mean, and that's the honest truth. I didn't double check you because I knew you were double checking yourself. What, even if you forgot a diaper once in a while, no, no question. I thought the world of you as a mother, um, but that's only part of the story. Part of it is I just couldn't be bothered to, you know, go anywhere other than to a joyful and anticipatory place. Nikki, what's your experience like? Vacations of past, vacations of recent? I don't know. What do you What do you think? Well, I was going to comment on uh, what you were just saying about <laughs> making sure you packed enough underwear because that has always been a stress on me because, you know, he's always been responsible for his own belongings, but he's also been one to be really super frugal with money. And so it's always stressed me out knowing, did he pack enough? Because if he didn't, I know he's going to have to buy it when we get there. And I didn't want to hear the like comments and 
crappy behavior from the fact that he'd have to go and buy something that he forgot to pack himself. And then it became my problem that either I didn't remind him to pack it or um, whatever it may be. But uh, I kind of have a different a viewpoint, a little bit different than most people is I didn't really experience um, drunk husband on vacation. A lot of the times I experienced dry drunk husband on vacation, which if we know a lot about this is pretty much the same thing um, in a lot of cases where they have the same addict behavior. Um, and I, he has always had a tendency to ruin vacations for me. Um, I can count on one hand and probably less than one hand, <laughs> how many um, were good without any issues. And that was pretty much in sobriety where we've seen that. So he <laughs> never wanted to spend the money, but always wanted to be included and always wanted to go on these trips. And so when we'd, I can re specifically remember a time when we went to California and it was for my family was celebrating um, a birthday uh, and we have family who live in California. So all of us from here went out there and it was a big deal. Uh, my daughter at the time was only like one. So she was really small, um, but it started right off to the airport, you know, like that typical irritable mood on the way to the airport. And made us turn around because he forgot something. And it was not one of those things where, I mean, he probably could have bought it, but he knew he didn't want to because it was like supplements. Um, because at the time he was really into weight loss. And so, um, and going to the gym and he had to have all his crazy supplements. Um, but you know, that all put us in a bad mood because we were already limited on time to get to the airport. And even though we live close to the airport, we had to turn around. And then when we get there, um, the whole time he had to make time for himself. It was all selfish, uh, things that he had to do. Um, it was his time. It was his, um, he had to make sure he got to the gym. He had to make sure he, um, bought what he needed from the store for himself and it, it was never like it was never a turntable to like what we needed um or my daughter or whatever and like if he needed we had one vehicle and so if he wanted to go to the gym like we were SOL um and we went to Disney and that was an experience with someone of that <laughs> irritable uh, mood. And he kind of got in a spiff with my uncle there. And my uncle was willing to watch our child. So me and him can enjoy a ride together. And, uh, he kind of went off on my uncle, like, well, I didn't come here to go on any rides. And my uncle's like, why are you here then? Like, why are you at Disney? Why did we pay money for you to come to Disney? Um, and I think it kind of shook him that my uncle like bit back basically but it embarrassed the crap out of me you know like I'm with my family and that anytime he's ever made comments or acted crazy in front of them has always made me feel the most uncomfortable and um you know during his sobriety he made amends for that specific occurrence because that is something that he 
won't forget and no one will forget um, because it's not something our family usually deals with. We don't really have any alcoholics in our family or any one of those behaviors. So when it happened, it was like a big deal. Um, well, now he's three and a half years sober. Uh, we just got back from vacation. And as much as it was uh, a really good vacation, I had the anxiety beforehand because I was not sure how it was gonna go. Um, I still struggle with that because I feel like that's going to be ingrained in me for a really long time where I'm just going to question whether or not it'll be enjoyable for us. Um, and this was a big one because my daughter was coming with and she's eight now. So I was worried he was going to shut off and not be present. Um, and thankfully he was pretty present. Uh, he got in the sand, he got dirty, he did all the fun things, and it turned out to be overall a really good trip. Um, he planned a lot of it, and he did a lot of the things um, without me really needing to step up or do any of it. So it was kind of nice and relief and more of a vacation for me because I finally got to just relax and kind of go along for the ride where it wasn't like he was controlling like in the past, but it was more just like the freedom of being team members and, you know, being able to have the conversation together to go on. Well, I had the pleasure of seeing a lot of those vacation pictures and I can attest to the fact that that boy looked like he was having a real lot of fun. Your whole family did great pictures. In fact, some of the poses that you got him to do, I was like, Oh my God, <laughs> how did she convince him to make a heart with his arms like that? Um, so he was definitely more laid back uh, than, than in, pa in the past. And kudos to all of you guys for that. I can really relate to the frugality that you talk about. Um, and, you know, if you forget something, you've got to go buy it. I don't think there's a hotel in this country that has ever had us check in with the uh accurate number of kids that we have and we're talking I always cheap expect, hotels yeah cheap hotels cheap, but cheap. they're gonna charge more because of that free breakfast in the morning if they know there's actually six of us so there's always four of us no matter you know we bring our own air mattress sneak it in the window and two kids sleep on the floor so i can really relate to that but i think the the most impactful part of what you just shared is the embarrassing the family mm -hmm. um you know, it, it kind of ties in with what Jess was saying. We, wouldn't it be nice if our family, if there were no secrets, but we all know, especially once addiction enters the, the situation, um, we, we are just a big bundle of lies and denials and gaslighting and, and trying to protect the truth from those that love us. And, and we want to, you know, we want to look like we got our shit together when we're in front of our extended family. And so experiences like that are just so relatable. You can relate too, can't you, Sherry? I saw you oh, writing fast and furiously. Yeah. When Nikki and was talking about when that. Nikki said embarrassed by her husband's behavior and that her uncle snapped back. I think my side of the family is more willing to confront was was more willing to confront Matt on some of his poor behavior and antics um that made me feel supported mm. and 
And I know that it was going to cause tension later on, but I was like, yes, in the moment. Somebody, that somebody was you. standing up to yeah. you and calling you on it. Whereas your side of the family, they all just kind of looked at each other and walked away and we never talked about it again. Yeah. You know, so, but that being embarrassed and, and that, that I think just leads to that's was part of the anxiety driver for me was knowing that I was going to have to be faced with these embarrassing moments and how was I going to behave and respond to them? How was I going to hide and pretend like it didn't bother me? Yeah. Cause I'm not really good at that. Well, it, it, hide and pretend that it doesn't bother you, but also you're embarrassed that you've chosen to stay with this buffoon and the buffoonish <laughs> behavior really comes out. Yeah. So that's a tough thing to hide and deal with for sure. Absolutely. Karen, how about you? Do you have a vacation experience or two you'd like to share? So um, my husband was also a workaholic too. So it was hard to get him to go on vacation some of the time. So what happened for us was he'd somehow make it about work. So, oh, maybe he could drop by this client on the trip or something like that. So I remember... Um, going to Nova Scotia, and this is years ago, because we checked into this wonderful hotel, right? It was nice. It was reasonable. The people were just great. No Wi-Fi. So he wanted to check out. So then we ended up getting some kind of dumb hotel and missed out on the things that we really wanted. And we were traveling with our youngest son. So I think at that point, I was not very nice. I started calling him some kind of idiot. That was not good. But it was just, why can't you just go on vacation? Why can't you just go on vacation and relax? Um, I resonated with getting himself ready. He would get him. He got the car ready. Yes. Okay. I give him that. Pet sitting, bills paid, who's going to watch the house, packing for the kids, the food, but he would get his suitcase and a cooler of beer. We had to have that, the, you know, his coffee and the cooler of beer. Um, we had four teenage boys at the same time, so we didn't travel that much. We, we did a great thing for the boys because we bought this little podunk cabin down in the Ozarks. We're Kansas City area. And I don't know if you know about the Ozarks. You've seen the TV show. Maybe it's, it's not all like that. But um, we had this rustic little cabin, the Black Cat Ranch, and then we had some acreage away from it. So we had this big shed. So these four guys could go stay out overnight, blow up stuff, fireworks, you know, BB guns, all the kind of crap that girls don't care about and the boys love. Um, so a lot of times we would go down to the black cat and there was, um, always first thing we do beer on the porch. As soon as we got there, beer on a porch and his behavior wasn't always terrible, but he would disappear a lot of times. And so I think that maybe there was maybe more drinking involved than I knew. Cause I think now I was just dumb. No, if I followed him around, I might have different stories to tell. <clears throat> I asked him this morning because he's five years sober now, so we can talk about a lot of things that we can talk about before. I said, was there ever a time that you remember about the drinking that 
you know, I didn't know about, or maybe we were in peril because his hobby was to drink and drive. You know, he'd go run an errand and then drink and drive. And he said he remembered one time and we were all in the car, we had old Ram Charger pulling a trailer with a bunch of wood on the back and those roads curve and they're hilly and there's wood stuff, two line highways, people die on them even when they're not drinking and they're driving rain. And he said he remembered one time now that he knew he was off and shouldn't have been driving. And here he was pulling a trailer and us in the car. And I mean, it's fairly appalling. And um, I think he said he remembers, not who knows, but that because I don't even remember this, but he said I said something to him. But his, he would say, oh, my stomach doesn't feel well or my blood sugars. And I'm so compassionate and understanding. I probably thought, oh, okay, well, that kind of makes sense. Um, and another one was when we went to visit my son in Colorado and he, he went somewhere to work and then was kind of off when he returned and um, when we got back, when I opened up the glove compartment in the rental car, there was an empty vodka bottle in the rental car. And that just was appalling because I'm pretty good at confronting such, which is probably what made him even sneakier. <laughs> but anyway, the actual behavior, he seemed to not, I don't know. He seemed to be able to handle it until we got there. And he's more, I think, of an introvert, so he wasn't as obnoxious, maybe. I don't know. But he was sure sneaky and 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 a hider. <laughs> oh, when you talk about the sneaking, you're making me think. I know Sherry mentioned that we are, you know, vacation for us for a long time was just going to her side of the family and going to my side of the family. My parents have a liquor cabinet that's in the basement away from everything else. And, but you had to go bar. past it a lot. Yeah. You had to go past it to get uh, from to go to inside the to outside, basically. With upstairs. And yeah. every time, not every time, but most times when I'd walk by, I'd look around and no one was looking and I'd take a swig off of something. And so just warm, like liquor, nothing, nothing tasty. Just, just trying to get a little bit more. It was always more, more, more. So I, that's what I thought of when you mentioned the, the empty in the glove box. Um, because nobody's drinking a warm vodka while they're driving along because the taste is so great. You're trying to get to a place. You're trying to get to a medicinal place that's um it's not it's not good. And certainly certainly not good when uh you're you know involving your family and in what's supposed to be leisure time in it. Heather, I know one of the reasons that you wanted to be on the podcast, and we're so glad that you're here with us, is because your husband's got some sobriety under his belt at this point and you've had some better vacation experiences of late uh would you like to talk about that a little bit and and are you able to compare and contrast to bad experiences uh you know of previously i am can you guys hear me okay before i start talking because i'm i'm driving but I'm, I'm okay to talk yeah if you're okay we're okay i am um, yeah, so you guys, all your stories, I resonate with all of them. I've lived some version of every one of those stories, um, especially the dry drunk version when I didn't know my husband every time we go to a secluded island, tried to white knuckle his way to sobriety. 
Um, those are really fun vacations. <laughs> so we just actually came back from Mexico. Um, me, my three girls, him, my best friend's family, their four kids, and their parents. And I will say we've had some other decent vacations since, but um, I was definitely anxious the same way all of you ladies were because I think in general, we're probably the ones that do all the packing and the preparing. And Nikki, I have definitely lived the, I don't have enough shorts or I'm wearing disgusting shoes because I didn't pack them or I have no underwear. I'm doing all of that too. Um, so anyways, I was packing, I was prepping and I was very nervous. Um, and trying not to show that on top of it, because my husband's been sober for uh, three and a half years now, and he's sober, and he really put in the work. So he's, he's done the therapy. He's done all the things. He is a very, very different man now than he was then. So I was also going into it trying to be really optimistic, because it felt unfair to have the past kind of hang over us. And I will say that we had the best time. I had so much fun. I, I will say there was a few times he kind of disappeared for a minute to go get coffee because he usually drinks like 12 cups of coffee every day. Like I got to get a coffee and there's bars and free liquor everywhere because we went to an all-inclusive. So I had my moments, but he'd come back and he'd have his coffee. Um, but it was a good time. It was a really good time. He was relaxed. I was relaxed. So our kids were relaxed. Um, he was present. Um, I could tell he was having fun. He wasn't trying to white knuckle it. He also wasn't wasted. Yeah, I, a night and day experience. And I, I did feel compelled to kind of join the podcast because I went through all of those horrible, horrible vacations. I used to avoid them. If I could cut them short, I would. Sometimes I'd take a separate car before we had kids and I'd leave. I'd drive home and leave him there. Um, so yeah, it's better. It was better. It was fun. I didn't think we'd get there. And I'm already planning another trip. Okay. That's great. That's yeah. great. Yeah. I'm, I'm so glad you were able to, to join us and, and share, you know, both sides of the coin. Sherry and I had a, a similar experience a, a year ago. We went on, it was, it was a 50th anniversary trip for my parents and, and it was at an all-inclusive and one of the things that really stands out, a memory that I'll never forget about that trip is all the other adults on the trip were drinking, not drinking like I used to drink, not over-consuming, not alcoholically, but they were in the sun having drinks during the day. And at the end of the evening at the place where we were staying, there was a, um, there was some kind of activity each night. Um, it was different each night. Uh, salsa dancing one night was one of them. Uh, there was a, what was the disco thing called? Do you remember? Oh, yeah. I like a silent disco. So everybody had their own headphones and you could choose yeah. which DJ you were going to listen to. And oh, so that much, was a lot of fun. So much fun. But we would, so every morning at breakfast, we'd have this fun story to tell about the adult nighttime activity that we participated in. And everyone else in the family went to bed after dinner because you can't drink in the sun all day and not be tired after dinner. So again, not drinking alcoholically, but I just felt like they were, they were missing out. You know, that was part of the, part of the like all inclusive stuff, right? Like the fun. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you sleep in on vacation, at least on this one, now that our kids are older. So we still got, you know, we went to bed at midnight or one in the morning and still got our seven or eight hours and mm -hmm. got the most out of the trip. And I just feel like, um, that's one of the huge benefits of, 
of sobriety, whether you've been through alcoholism or not, just not drinking in the sun all day gives you a lot more energy at the end of the day to participate in things yeah, like that. It absolutely does. And I, and I've just come to realize that, that even though we were in such a better place with sobriety and the work we do and the healing that's happened and working with everyone from shout and echoes and marriage evolution, we have like so many stories and I feel like I've learned so much. And, but for me, I think vacations and change like that is always going to add a little bit of anxiety. Um, like, like I think about that vacation, I'm like, shoot, we should have packed more sunscreen. I mean, it was ridiculous. <laughs> We've got like, you know, there's some pale people in our family and there wasn't gonna ever be enough sunscreen to stop the sunburn on some of our kids. But like, that's, I think that's just going to be something that I had to understand. Well, you're never going to stop being a mother. You're right. But I, I think that caregiver. anytime we change locations of where we are and just that is going to cause some anxiety, not because I was worried that you were going to like relapse on this vacation because it wasn't all inclusive. But I think that the good thing is you have become aware that the change of venue and the, the prep that goes into it causes me anxiety. Now, was this something that I was going to have regardless of your drinking or is it something that happened because of drinking and now it's just built in that I have higher anxiety level when we change locations? Like, some, like you mentioned, who's going to watch the house? Who's going to take care of the pets and the plants? And you know, that fell on my shoulders. So but what that, I've appreciated is that you have understood that it's okay for me to have anxiety before we leave. And that I think would cause arguments before, because you didn't have time to listen or understand. That's just it. I'm in a place where I can understand and not mm -hmm. just think you're being, not just blame you for not trying hard enough to enjoy a vacation, which is how it would go in my head mm -hmm. before. Heather, I'm curious, did that help you, that you were in a place you, I, I guess, I don't know if you've never been there before, but, but that's not your regular, you know, go to the family every year vacation spot. Does it help that it was a different uh, venue altogether to help keep the anxiety down? Um, no, I don't think so. I think like Sherry's saying, I think there's just the anxiety of moving the whole family from point A to point B. In fact, I, I think, um, the known quantity, like where we go to this, we go to the same place every summer. And in some ways, even though it's triggering, very anxiety provoking, it was known. I knew where I was going. I knew what I needed. I know what the kids needed. So I could control everything except for him. So mm -hmm. it was anxiety provoking, but we went to another country and this was the first time we've done this with our kids. So, um, I think I was, I was reasonably, you know, anxious about, it. I don't think it was a new location because it wasn't all inclusive. This is the first time we went to a place where there's literally booze everywhere. Um, mm. and the other adults we were with were drinking and like you guys, I, you know, I didn't really drink. And then I, you, you do feel better. The vacation is more fun. I think we've equated vacations with free flowing booze generally. Mm. That's what people do. Um, yeah, I don't think so. I think I think I don't think I would have entertained going to a different place, honestly, um, until now. It it would have been just too much. Oh, the, yeah. the trauma associated or anxiety associated with a free flowing booze, all inclusive when your husband's still drinking. Yeah, that would have been. I mean, we, we talked often on this oh, vacation last year about 
can you imagine what a nightmare it would have been? Like we kept saying that every night we would go in and like, we would often see our teenagers out and occasionally their cousin, like we'd run into them. They'd be out on the property and we'd like wave to them. And we looked like we were stalking. <laughs> we'd, like, be, we'd be in a pool at midnight, you know, heads kind of down. We're like trying to like let them not know we're there because we want to stalk them. But they like, but I think they were probably like, you know, they're like, no, that we're not drinking or not going to embarrass them where we would see some parents that were trying to like hang with their kids or force their teenagers. Cause they could drink at 18. They're getting them alcohol. And I was just like, puke, puke, puke. But we, we talked about like, can you imagine what kind of nightmare this would be? And I said, I would have said, no, if this is what your parents had offered, I would have said no, if you were drinking. Yeah. Cause I, I mean, towards the end of your drinking years, I was making it very clear to them about how much I was despising drinking and on the ever flowing happy hour margaritas and such. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Jess, you mentioned, or you talked about the going to the family vacation, you know, same kind of scenario as much as you tried to, to change some of the details surrounding it every year. Do you guys still do that trip? And what is, what is it like with him? He's a couple of years sober now. Yeah. Um, we haven't done that mostly because of the pandemic and we just, and also I don't think either of us are really interested in it um, because the, the main mechanism for dealing is, has been removed. And so maybe we just don't want to deal and do that, do other things instead. Um one of the things that I noticed is how much now that he's been sober for um, almost three years that um, alcohol was, I didn't realize it at the time, but it was determining what we did during all day Right. Um, because of his hangovers. He, we couldn't do anything in the morning. And then, so we had this very short window between when he wasn't hungover and when he needed to start drinking in the afternoon where we could do something. It meant that evening things we couldn't really go out and do anything because he wanted to be home drinking um so I didn't I never really caught on to that until much later on that there was this we had this very short window to do anything and I was always coming up with all these ideas for all these things we could do and they never would work out and I would be so frustrated and not knowing why and now we don't have that and it's so freeing it means we can wake up in the morning and everyone feels good and um, he drinks a lot of coffee now. He drinks it all day long, which is fine with me. <laughs> drink as much coffee as you need to drink. Um, uh, but uh, it doesn't, it means like if we need to go somewhere and get him, like if he wants a Starbucks or, you know, we're somewhere where there's a special coffee shop, he likes, I'm happy to stop and go and do that. It's very different from how our trips had to come to a screeching halt so he could go to the liquor store. And, and there was this other thing that happened where he would only buy a certain amount at a time. Maybe it was to keep himself from having too much at once or, or make it look different than it was. But it meant that every single day on vacation, he was going to the liquor store. And it meant that, that we had to take time to stop everything we were doing so that that could happen. And that doesn't happen anymore. And um, it's a huge freedom. And the other thing that I've realized is just the not stressing about who's driving home. And whether or not I can get us home, whether or not I'm, what if I don't have to worry about being too tired? I don't have to worry about not knowing where we are. I don't have to worry about not being like, it's a weird car. I don't know how to drive. I don't have to worry about any of that because he's not drinking. And if, if, if I don't want to drive home, he can drive home. So um, I just, the, there's so much of the fear that's been removed, um, which I am so incredibly grateful for. And he's oh, so much yeah. more present. What Heather said, her husband is present. 
like he wasn't present and the, I so, think the thing that was most heartbreaking for me was that every he wasn't present in our daily lives either and I would tell myself vacation's going to be different we're going to have this special family time and we'll all be present and it never happened and my heart would break every time and now that doesn't happen hmm. so we can be present with one another even at home on the weekdays yeah that's great so much better Kathy, one of the experiences that I happen to know for a fact that you have had is going away by yourself without your family. What is that like when we talk about the anticipation and the anxiety piece? Can you tangibly feel how different it is when you're going away when there's no chance that alcohol is going to ruin the vacation as opposed to, you know, when in the back of your mind, you just you don't know what's going to happen? Oh, it's like night and day. I only have to worry about myself and not have to worry about, you know, react, what alcohol is going to react and, you know, what alcohol is going to say and, you know, how, how to deal with that. It's nice and refreshing to be able to go away and actually try and have a good time and smile. And, you know, enjoy myself and the experiences and be present for the experiences. Like, I feel like if I go on vacation with my husband that I don't get to do that because alcohol suppresses everything. Like, if I look like I'm having fun, you know, then all bets are off kind of thing that that means that he's going to request sex at at night and you know it's he'll be completely drunk but still want sex and then it, it just all of that anxiety is is gone when I vacate have gone away by myself oh I can so relate to that oh if I'm picking up that you're in a good mood well that you must, your brain must work like mine. That must mean you want <laughs> sex. You're not just, you know, enjoying your family or, uh, or, or the other things around us, the, whatever the activity is. Um, so did you, Sherry, did you find you had to suppress your joy sometimes too, for fear of, you know, what would come your way? Mm-hmm. Pretend like you weren't having as much fun as you were. Yeah. Yeah. You can relate. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can relate to that you know, or like when you were drinking and, and maybe I would have a drink or two, you'd be like, Oh, well, she's got a drink or two and her, you know, and I'm like, Oh wait, I'm going to be really hungover in the morning. So leave me alone. I'm going to get my sleep now, but that didn't happen. So then there'd be another argument in the middle of the night. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Did any of you have anyone you could talk to about this kind of stuff? When I did the, the intro and did the reverse listener question, One of the things that has really surprised me about vacation drinking and trauma from vacation drinking is it doesn't seem like it reaches the the top of the list of things to talk about where it comes up very often, but I think it's pretty universal. Um, Did did any of you have someone that you could talk to about this kind of drinking vacation stuff? Or did you just think, ah, what am I complaining about? I'm going on vacation. I can't complain about that. Can I respond a little different to that? Where it's Please. like 
it's like not that piece of it, but I'm on vacation. So that means no rules. Okay. Instead of it's that boys will be boys. I'm on vacation kind of thing. It's so it's like, it doesn't matter how bad it is or how drunk you are. And I don't know if I had anybody to talk to about it, except I wanted to talk to him about it, but he of course wasn't always willing. Um, and it's weird because I think a lot of people have that idea of, well, you were on vacation. Like, you know, you don't have your responsibilities. So for me, I think when you're on vacation and it's horrible, it's minimized somehow. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. And you're also, you're also so unheard to begin with, right? Because right. even if the outside world starts to know that there's an alcohol problem, or even if your your spouse enters sobriety, all the concern is about them. It's not about you. It's not about what you've suffered and what you've been through. And so, um, <laughs> and that's the everyday. If you if you start talking about the trauma of vacation, then yeah, it's really gonna, you know, it's gonna fall on deaf ears. Basically, we'd be ex we'd be minimized again, just yeah, minimized again. Absolutely, Heather. Can we bring you in? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, well, I know somebody just threw something up there about the, you know, having to minimize, but also I think, so for me, my husband was fairly well behaved. He didn't, I mean, as he got drunker, he got quieter typically. Um, so I had, I didn't have this explosive, obnoxious stuff happening. Um, so for anyone looking in, um, and not having to see, you know, he could get quiet around everybody else. I had to live with the miserable version of him that other people didn't see, but it was worse than just that. It was like, yes, you're on the key. It was, I was a stick in the mud. If I tried to have that conversation with anyone, they'd be like, well, loosen up. You're on vacation. Have some drinks. What is your problem? Like right. that, you know, you could, I, there was, I, it was, it's like being gaslit by everyone around you because they don't really understand, especially my, my husband was he was a high, high functioning alcoholic and he hit it so well that I didn't know for so long. Nobody else knew. I just knew he wasn't well. So no, there's nowhere to talk to someone about that, especially if you're lucky enough to get on vacation. So it was almost, it's almost the exact opposite. You don't have someone to talk to. You can't talk to someone about right. it. Right. You just can't because it's so much worse. Wow. The, uh, y'all's necks must hurt from the way you were nodding while Heather was talking right there. That is so well put. I think everyone is in. getting gaslit by everyone else. Well, it's a, it's everyone such, else. That's a good way to such describe a good it. point. Everyone's drinking. Why aren't you drinking? You're the one that's yeah. the problem. Oh. Yeah, you that is so up. boring. Yeah, mm -hmm. so boring. Why don't you loosen up? He seems fine. What's wrong with you? Yes. yes. Uh, and then, and Kathy, you put in the chat while we were talking. It's kind of that what what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas mentality on top of it. So what if he's so what if he gets a little out of hand? It's it's vacation. What are you right. so worried about? Ugh. Nikki, what are your thoughts? I was just going to add, I always got the like, um, we'll make the best of it. But people don't realize that like when things happen, I don't know if it's like this for you all, but it takes so much effort for me to get back out of that funk that I was just thrown into that it could be a day. It could be two days before I feel like I can even get back to myself to try to just enjoy the best of it 
or people would be like, you know, why do you go? Why do you, why do you plan these vacations? And, you know, it's a touchy question that, you know, it's hard to answer that, but everyone wants to go on vacation, even if there's the negative that can go with it. But I always walked into vacation with a slight bit of hope because I oh. thought, well, this will be exactly what um, I hope it will be. And, you know, they're going to be great because our kid is going. So, you know, it's going to be a better experience this time because, you know, either we've had a conversation and then it could go to shit, but you know, it's, it's one of those things where you need that escape too from reality at home. And I think you pick your battles over what you, uh, want to get out of vacation because there are good things that do come out of the shitty vacations. At least they have for me. Um, but yeah, it's, it's taken me a, a hard time to be able to, realize that I don't just snap out of it once something happens and so I had like people don't understand that it's not just something that I can just erase and it'll go back to being fine well and and that can happen in the moment on the vacation when a bad experience happens how can you recover from that but that also has a longer lasting effect and I think that's one of the overriding messages we want to leave the listeners with today, just because you're in your first year of sobriety doesn't mean vacation is going to be wonderful. Not only is the first year of sobriety pretty messy and gross anyway, so the likelihood of a poorly acting person in their first year of sobriety is pretty high, but also the trauma from the past and the anxiety that's associated with that is, is going to make it hard to relax and have fun and just go with the flow and enjoy yourself in the first several years. So that's why I'm so glad that we had this particular panel of people, people who have seen both sides, people who have had good experiences and, and, you know, frankly, really bad experiences um, and can kind of attest to the fact that yes, it does get better, but no, that's not overnight. And so I just can't thank you enough for taking the time to come on the podcast and talk with us about this. And again, listeners, Reverse listener question this week. If you have a vacation experience that has traumatized you and you've just, you've not spoken out about it or, or not had anyone to share with, please send us an email. Tell us about it. Uh, we won't like, we won't read it on the air or anything. Like we won't divulge that. <laughs> it's just, um, you know, good to be heard. And, and we're happy to be not just talkers, but listeners as well. So thank you all for being on the podcast today. Thank as you. Head, as Thank we you. head into vacation season, may you all have wonderful vacations. Before you go, we hope you'll consider these three resources. If you love or loved an alcoholic, we offer support and connection in our Echoes of Recovery group. Check us out at echoesofrecovery.org. If you are a high-functioning alcoholic seeking methods and connection in early sobriety, we're ready for you at shoutsobriety.org. No matter who you are, there's something for you in our book, Sober Evolution, Evolve into Sobriety and Recover Your Alcoholic Marriage. Go to SoberEvolution.org. For my wife, Sherry Salis, I'm Matt Salis. Thanks for listening to the Untoxicated Podcast.